Give somebody a air high five. Let them know that you are glad that they are in and at Gateway Church. Uh, a couple of things I want to, to let you know um, uh, that w- we have starting very soon, starting in the, in the month of October. Uh, if you're new uh, here at Gateway and you've been looking for a, a way and wanting more information about getting plugged in and about what we believe and, and all of that, uh, we have a class that is uh, it's called our Growth Track class. And it's about a two-hour class. And we even feed you uh, during those two hours. And uh, so uh, we, we meet for about an hour. We feed you and so that you can uh, be good and sleepy for the second hour. And, um, but we'll be doing that in the month of October. And uh, we also are going to start uh, back our uh, life groups. Uh, we were set to, to begin those in, in earnest uh, right as COVID. Uh, we were supposed to start the first week of April, I think. And um, everything just happened. And uh, so now we are, we've been formulating how we're going to do that. And, and there'll be some face-to-face options. There'll be some virtual options so that you can uh, uh, grab hold of the fact that life is better together, but you can do it uh, at your uh, comfort level. And so be sure and be looking for that. We'll be giving you more information, but that, those will start uh, in October. And we'll also be going to do a baby dedication on October the 11th. Uh, that's the second Sunday of October, and that's just the standing Sunday. And uh, so if you uh, have a child that you would like to dedicate, uh, just be sure and get with me or get with my wife and uh, Aaron or Brandon, and we'll make sure that we give you all the information. So about three weeks ago, we started a, a series, and we began to look at the fact that the world is in chaos. And there's chaos all around us. But that doesn't mean that there has to be chaos in our hearts. There's chaos all around us, but it doesn't mean that there has to be chaos in us. And why is that? Because the Christ that lives in us is greater than anything else in this world. All the chaos and all the the, the turmoil that you see, God is still bigger. But what happens is, is when chaos strikes... Uh, there becomes things in our life that once, to, once were apparent that um, sort of get blurred. And we believe that church is one of those things. And we looked at the statistic of, of how that, that over the last several months that 33% of Christians have stopped attending church. And that of those 33%, over 50 of them, 50% have not uh, watched or participated or connected online for over a month. And as we begin to look at that, we said, well, we need to to figure out what it is and why it is that we exist. Uh, We need to to go back and define the reason of church and what the point of church is. Uh, The first week we talked about how that Peter, James, and John were taken up on a mountain by Jesus. And in that moment, on that mountain, they encountered Jesus like never before. It would become a moment that would change their life forever a moment that they would never forget. And they encountered Jesus on that mountain, uh, but while they were on that mountain, uh, they eventually had to come down. And when they came down the mountain, they were immediately faced with someone who was needing the same encounter with Jesus that they had had. So they came down off the mountain, and, and that man, that family, encountered Jesus. 
And we said that our job, our point, the reason we exist is to help people encounter the same Jesus that we have encountered. To help people find the same love and the same grace and the same God that rescued us. Uh, The second week we looked at a story found in John chapter 4. And how that Jesus came to the woman at the well. And when he was there, he ministered to her one-on-one. Uh, he was effective in ministering to 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people, but he was also effective at ministering one-on-one. And in this moment, he had an encounter with this woman, a woman that was completely different than him. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He's a man. She's a woman. She's confused as to why Jesus is, is talking to her. She doesn't think that's the way that it should be because that's the way that it always had been. But in that moment, Jesus showed her. He said, listen, despite our differences, I still love you. Despite our differences, I still know that you're hurting. Despite our differences, I want to, to help heal that hurt. So it's our job as a church to allow people to know that there's a God that loves them. And despite our differences, we love them as well. The third week, last week, uh, we looked at another passage of Scripture found in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And the children of Israel were right at the point of ready to to go into the promised land. And in that moment, they said, I need you to send in. Moses said, I'm going to send in 12 spies. Go see how we're going to do what God says we can do. Go see if it's everything that he says that it is. And they come back with a, with a report that says, yes, it's, it's a land that is filled with milk and honey. It's flowing and, and, and the, the grapes are huge and, and it's as beautiful as we've been told. But 10 of the 12 decided that the giants were too big. 10 of the 12 decided instead of trusting God that they would trust what they saw with their own eyes. And because of that, they convinced the entire group, the children of Israel, to wander in the desert for 40 years. Now, there were two, Joshua and Caleb, that said, you know what? I know what it looks like, but I'm trusting what God says. The Bible tells us that Caleb had a different spirit about him. And because of that, he was able to enter into the promised land at the age of 85 because he chose to have a different spirit that says, no matter what it looks like, I'm going to trust God. So last week we talked about pleasing God. And the way that we do that is with faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that without faith, we can't please him. This week I want to close this series by looking at another verse And it's actually found in that same passage of Scripture with the woman at the well. It's found in John chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, But the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. In this passage of Scripture, we see... That Jesus said, uh, God is looking for someone who, who isn't just going through the motions. God is looking for a people who will worship him with their entire heart. 
God is looking for people who will worship him with true, authentic worship. And the problem is, 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 is I believe that, that often we misunderstand or worship is misrepresented. So today I want to look at for a few minutes what worship really is. What it truly means and how that we worship. And the first thing that we need to understand is worship is praise. It's praise. Psalm chapter 150 verses 1 through 6 says this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in a sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Verse 3 or 2. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. And then he finishes it by saying, praise the Lord. Now, as you begin to read that passage of Scripture, you think, well, why did he find it necessary to list all of these things that we should praise God with? Well, why didn't he just say, praise the Lord? And, but I believe that, that the writer of Psalms was trying to, to tell us, listen, this is what, the way you need to praise God. And then he began to list everything that they had available to them at that point. Every way, I mean, we don't have a, a, I don't even know what a leer is. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But he said, worship him with it. Why is it that he listed all of these things? And I believe it's because he's saying, listen, I just want you to understand that whatever you have available to you, or whatever that, is, that, that you have that will give praise to God. And he said, just in case I've left anything out, let me just finish it this way. It says, if you are breathing, how many people are breathing this morning? We've got two who isn't. That's great. Somebody, we have plenty of nurses here. Check on them. If you are breathing, he said, praise him. Worship is praise. Where does praise begin? Praise starts, praise begins with a grateful heart. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 100 verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Uh, you may wonder why that usually the first song is fast and it's loud and it's just because I know that 80% of you just woke up and I'm thinking, man, we've got to get them awake. The Bible says, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and to praise his name. So when we come in here, we are coming to celebrate something that's happened in our life. When something big happens in our life, what do we do? We want to celebrate. When I go to a West Virginia football game, I've got people sitting all around me that, that I don't know. But if they score or if they sack someone or they stop someone on fourth down, I find myself lifting my hands, giving high fives to people I don't even know. This is pre-COVID. 
Why? Because I'm celebrating what has happened. Maybe you're not a sports person, but, but maybe money drives you and, and you get a big raise. You get a promotion. What do you want to do? You're going to celebrate. You want to get on the phone. You want to call somebody. You want to tell them, hey, I, 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 I've got this raise. Or, hey, we're going out to dinner tonight and, and we're going to celebrate. Maybe your child does something uh, good in school and you celebrate. Uh, we celebrate when something great happens in our lives or in the lives of people that we love. What more reason to celebrate than for what God has done in our life? We look at our life and we say, you know what? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. I once was enslaved to my sin, and now I'm free. There's nothing better, nothing more important that can happen in your life than one of those things happening. And that is something to celebrate. We have days that, in America that we celebrate freedom. Well, can I tell you that every day we can celebrate the freedom that we have, the freedom that, that God has given us. Because it says that when we meet the Son, when He sets us free, we are free indeed. And that is reason to celebrate. That is reason to praise. Worship is praise. Secondly, worship is a pursuit. It's a pursuit. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1 and 2 says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, not with half a heart, not nonchalantly, he says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And lastly, in James chapter 4, verse 8, James says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands. Well, we've heard that, haven't we? Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. These three passages of Scripture says, listen, when you pursue God with everything that's in you, when you pursue God with your entire heart, you're going to find Him. When you draw close to Him, when you understand that worship is a praise and that worship is, is a continual pursuit. If you're married, how many people remember pursuing your spouse? That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? If you're not married, then you're still in that pursuit stage. Maybe you haven't found anyone worthy of pursuing yet. But I'm just going to, to let you know how it's going to work. Because when we are pursuing our spouse, it's like... She'll say, well, what do you want to do? Honey, I don't care. It doesn't matter as long as I'm with you. I don't care. I'll go shopping. You pick the restaurant. It doesn't matter to me. Here, and here's some flowers. You're in constant. Now, men, husbands, if you didn't do this, you did it wrong. You better go back and start over. But you're pursuing them. And then in that moment, you say, I do. And she says, I do. And then everything changes. The pursuit 
stops. You come home from work and say, honey, where's my dinner? Well, I thought we would go out. No, we're not going out. Give me some food. Guys, if you do that, I charge $50 an hour for marriage counseling. When I was pursuing Christy a long, long, long time ago, I still have a vivid memory of the many nights that we would spend. She was in one dorm, I was in the other. We didn't have cell phones. We couldn't text each other. We had these things that that hung on the wall. And they had these long curly cords that you could only go so far. So you couldn't get away from your roommate. And they were sitting there listening to every word you would say. And it would be 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And we would both have early, well, she would have early classes. If I had them, I probably didn't go. But we would be talking and it would be like, you know, I just, and, and we're pursuing. And, and I say, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. Okay, we'll do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Did you hang up? No. It was a constant pursuit. And that's the way it has to be in our relationship with God. I've talked to so many couples who, who they begin to have problems in their marriage. And, and the reason is because at some point, you know, after the honeymoon is over, at some point they quit pursuing each other. At some point they just take each other for granted. They become accustomed to, to being together. They take their focus off of each other and they put it somewhere else. You think, well, they'll always be there. My work is done. I got her to say I do. But the moment that we enter into a relationship with Christ, the pursuit shouldn't end. The moment that we enter into a relationship with Christ, we have to understand that it is a lifelong pursuit. I mean, at first it's new, it's exciting. You're telling everybody about Him. You can't wait to get to church. You get up early, you get your coffee. You come and get a front row seat. I mean, that's the way it is when you, 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 when you first meet Christ. But then after a while, it's like, oh, I don't feel like getting up this morning. It's a constant pursuit. You can't stop. You've got to pursue Him. It says that when we draw close to Him, He draws close to us. And how do we do that? It's through worship. I mean, the creator of the universe is asking us, Draw close to me. Draw close to me. I mean, listen, well, when I was dating, pursuing my wife, I could not tell you how many jokes I had to listen to in the dorm. I couldn't tell you how many times that I was called whipped. In other words, that I probably wouldn't stay, stay from stage. But you know what? I didn't care. I didn't care. And now I look at them. And I say, it worked, didn't it? You're single and living in your mom's basement. You should have listened. You should have pursued. But I didn't care who was around. It didn't matter to me. We have to be the same way in our relationship with God. When I come into this place... The Bible says, enter into his sanctuary. 
When I come into this place, this is a, a time that I set aside. It says, God, I'm going to focus on you. And this morning I came in and, and I was standing over here and, and the first song began to play and I raised my hands and, and at some point my wife finished what she was doing downstairs and she came in. I didn't even know she was there. Why? Because my attention, I blocked everything else out. And I said, God, this is my moment. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me if, if it's Striper. How many people know who Striper is? Come on. How many people know that they released a new album? They've got to be like 90 years old. Last week, kids, if you don't know it, just you'll thank me later. There ain't nothing better than 80s metal. <clears throat> but I don't care if it's Striper or Sandy Patty. I mean, have we got any Sandy Patty fans here? Anybody? Whew. Man. But it doesn't matter to me. Why? Because this is a moment that I have come that says, God, I am going to pursue you with everything that is in me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people around me think because this is, you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. And no matter what it looks like, I don't care if I'm the only person that's got my hands lifted. I don't care if I'm the, the only person. God, I'm focused on you. Worship, it's a pursuit. It's a praise. Thirdly, it's a posture. It's a posture. You say, show it to me. Okay, I'd love to. Psalms chapter 95, verse 6. It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's biblical. It's biblical. He says, come and let us bow down. Why, why do we get in a, in a posture of, of bowing? It's the same principle as, as in foreign countries. When you stand before the king, what do you do? You bow. Why? Because it's showing honor. It's showing reverence. And here in, in the book of Psalms, it's telling us, listen, he is our king. He is our Lord. And the posture of worship is, is I'm going to, to bow before him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to, to give honor to whom honor is due. It's a posture. In Psalm chapter 63, verse 4, it says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. Why do we lift our hands? Why, why, do, do, why do we do that? It's a posture. It's biblical. Now listen, I came from the background. If, if, if you didn't lift your hands, you weren't going to heaven. Now I won't go that far. And I remember that first time looking around thinking, man, these people are crazy. And I just... You know, we got any, we got any, we got any of those or you know, like this. Hope nobody sees me. But man, there's freedom. Why? Why do we lift our hands? Because it's a moment. It's a moment of surrender. 
It's a moment of celebration. My team scores what a yes. I don't know if you know it or not. I am a trying to think of a good word to use without being too condemning and judgmental of myself, but I'm a pretty big baseball fan. And um, I have the habit of, uh, it's always behind on the TV. It's probably five, six seconds behind than what's on my phone. And on the phone, you have an app where you can watch every pitch. Every pitch you can watch. It's really a good tool to see that the umpires are no good. And it gives you something to yell about and, and to get upset about and get your blood pressure up about. I don't recommend it. But I'm sitting there the other night, and, and it's in the bottom of the ninth inning. Runner on second with two outs. And I'm watching my phone with the TV in the background. Because if it's bad, I try to turn it off before it happens. That way I can act like it didn't happen. And I'm sitting there, and it comes up, and it says, In play, runs. It lets me know that runs have been scored. It's still on the third pitch up here. But in that moment, I said, Yes! People looked at me. What are you doing? Are you watching your phone again before the game? That drives me. Non-baseball fans just don't understand. Why would you watch? But in that moment, I wanted to celebrate because there was something to celebrate, so I lifted my hands. That's why we do it. It's also surrender. You ever watched a good movie that says, you know, come out with your hands up? Why? Because I want you to surrender. I want you to show that, that you are surrendering to me. My hands are lifted. There's a, uh, when we lift our hands or, or we bow, what is that? That, that is a posture of, of outward expression, and it's showing our inner surrender. It's showing where our heart is. Now, there's a story found in Genesis. And in this story, God is testing Abraham's faith. And he tells him, he said, I want you to go sacrifice your son. I want you to take him and give him to me. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5. And Abraham says this. He says, listen, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So in this moment, Here's a situation where, where Abraham is being tested by God. In this moment, he's having to make a decision. Are you going to, to worship me? Even though there's, your situation isn't probably the way you want it to be. Abraham said, I'm going to use this moment to worship. He said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to worship and then I'm going to come back. In that moment, he was saying, God, regardless of what happens, I'm trusting you. Regardless of what it looks like, I'm trusting you. God, I'm surrendering to you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 tells us this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. How many people like your own understanding. Come on, don't lie. We all think we have the answers, right? God is saying, listen, you can't go on that. 
You have to be willing to surrender to me. You have to be willing to say, God, even when it doesn't look good, even when I don't understand, I'm going to trust you. God, I don't understand why this is happening at work, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. God, I don't understand what's going on with my health or, or the health of those people around me. But God, I'm going to worship you. Even when I don't understand, I'm going to lift up your name. That is us yielding to God. That's why we worship. It's to draw close to him. It's to, to yield to him. I mean, it isn't easy to put your life in the hands of someone else. For most people, they can't stand riding in the passenger seat. And they want to tell the driver how to drive. Why? Because you don't trust that person driving. This new car technology is, is crazy. And it's not, it's not even expensive cars. They have the technology now. And if, you've, if you have a car that does this, we need to talk. But they have cars now that you can get in, push a button to start it. You can even start them with a credit card now, a digital key. Start them with your phone. You don't even have to have a key in the car. I sound like a car salesman, don't I? Anybody going to the car lot when we're done? i got to have this. You haven't even heard it, the half of it yet. You can get in, start the car. You can push a couple of buttons. There's a lane departure button, there's a steering button, and there's a cruise control button. And you can do that and get on 52 or on the interstate or on a back road, take your hands off the wheel, and that car will drive for you. Absolutely, it will. If you come to a stoplight and there's a car in front of you, now if there's no car in front of you, it's going to blow right through. So you, you got to pay attention somewhat. There's a car in front of you, it slows down, it stops. When that car takes off, it takes off. It keeps you at a distance. If you try to get over and with somebody's in your blind spot, it jerks you back. But you can take your hands completely off the wheel and just sit there. It's made driving so much easier. But I trust the technology. My wife, on the other hand, not for a second. She's not going to push those buttons. She's not going to, to leave the driving to someone else. And she'll look at me and say, you trust technology too much. And she'll look at me, and, and it, has, it does have this warning sensor that says, put your hands on the wheel. It's probably thinking, put your hands on the wheel, stupid. But it tries to be politically correct. Just put your hands on the wheel. But it dings. So I've tried to get it timed because she's focused on the road. I've tried to get it time so I know when it's going to happen because when it dings, she knows what it means and she jerks her head around. And I can see her out of the corner of my eye and I'm like. But the technology is awesome. But the only way that this technology works is if I completely trust it. Same thing is true in, with God. He has it all under control. He can drive better than we can. But too often we sit in the, in, the pastor, in the driver's seat and we take a hold of the wheel. And God said, listen, if this technology is going to work, if it's going to work, you've got to trust me. 
You've got to come to me with praise in a posture of worship. That's the only way it can work. It can only work when we start to realize that God is bigger than anything that we are facing, no matter what it is. And say, God, in the midst of this storm, I'm going to worship you. Lastly, praise is power. It's power. There's a story in Acts where Paul and Silas, uh, they had been ministering the gospel. They had been preaching the good news. People were coming to know Jesus. They were being healed. So in that moment, the, the, the crowds, the religious people, they didn't like it. So they created a mob and they beat them and they put them in prison. And so there they are. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. So here Paul and Silas, they've been preaching the good news. They get put in prison. In that moment, they had every right to say, God, why is this happening? They had every right to try to, to, to figure out why they were in the position that they were in. I've been doing everything right. But in that moment, they chose to worship instead of worry. They were in chains. They were in prison. But they worshiped anyways. Why did they do that? Because they had a revelation. They had a revelation that there was power in worship. And as they began to to worship, and they got into the presence of God, said the chains fell off. Now, something that I think we miss in this story quite often is that Paul and Silas were praising, but it wasn't just their chains that fell off. It says everyone who was listening, everyone who was around them, because of their willingness to praise, because of their willingness to worship, the power invaded everyone's life. And everyone was free. And can I suggest to you that when you get into uh, the mode of worship, that it will not only affect your life, but it will affect the lives of those around you. You can change lives of people around you by simply saying, God, I'm going to praise you. God, I'm going to lift up my hands. God, I'm going to to bow before you. God, I'm going to to pursue you with everything that was within me. Why? Because there's power in worship. There's power when we take the attention off of ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of worship that puts the attention on us. If you were raised in the kind of uh, church that I was, there were uh, some people that, that you thought, And they had the attitude, look at me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pure worship. Worship that says, God, I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to worship your name. Not for anything for people to look at me, but so that your name can be lifted up. They begin to, to and when we we begin to, to focus on him, chains will fall off. 
Anything that you're bound by, whether it's addiction or depression, whatever it might be, change can fall off. You see, when we start focusing on the wrong things, it makes the enemy happy. But when we start to worship God, when we realize the power of worship, the enemy doesn't like that. Listen, it's not just about singing songs on a Sunday. It's not just because I like Nick and Rachel and Zach and that I, I want to give them a place. It's because we understand the power of worship. And that when the Bible tells us to come before his presence with singing, that's worship. It's about praising him. It's about pursuing him. It's about putting ourselves in a, in a posture to reverence him, to surrender to him. And when we do that, we find power, not ours, but his. There's power. I can't tell you the times that I could come in here on a Sunday morning And this works anywhere that you are. It doesn't just have to be a Sunday morning. But there's something about coming into his sanctuary. Doing life together with people. But I can't tell you the times that, that I have come in and had everything on my mind. And, and things are just, and I feel so bound. And I'm trying to figure out how in the world I'm going to get up and deliver a message twice. But when I come in to his sanctuary and my hands go up, my heart goes up, there's power in that. If you're here today and you're bound by addiction or depression or, or if you, you just feel so burdened you feel like that you're in chains. Can I just ask you to try? Worship Him. Praise Him. Pursue Him. Surrender to Him. And let Him demonstrate His power. I'm going to ask you to stand. Here's how we're going to close this service. <clears throat> no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation, you may feel like Paul and Silas. You may not physically be bound by chains, but man, you may feel like it. As they begin to, to sing this song, I'm going to ask you just to, to take a couple of minutes, get into his presence, forget about everything that's around you. This is one time that I forgive you permission to forget about your spouse.
Forget about your kids. If they run the aisles, that's, we'll have revival. But take this moment. Put your focus on him. Let him do something in your life. On your goodness is running. more time all my life come on has he been faithful to you God you're so faithful God you are so good God with every breath I'm going to sing of your goodness
Come on, can we worship Him this morning? Father, we thank You. Father, we celebrate the fact that we were once lost, but now we're found. We once were bound, but now we're free. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Father. I want to thank You for being here. I want to let You know that there is power in worship. Go today knowing that no matter what your situation trust him completely surrender to him lift up his name the bible tells us that if we don't praise him that the rocks will cry out and in my best pentecostal voice i'll say and i don't want no rocks crying out for me anybody ever heard that that wasn't a very good pentecostal voice was it my secret's out we love you guys. We hope you have a great week. Uh, be sure and, and, and keep updated on our Facebook page. Know that uh, we've got that growth track coming up and, and we'll give you ways to sign up. We've got life groups starting. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Uh, be safe and um, go eat. <laughs>